Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. The series is about is is really fake, fake, uh, focused on this fundamental question of how do we actually change to become the people we want to be. It's one of these things that most of us, I think, want to be a little bit different than we are. We want to be kinder. We want to be more loving. We want to be more sacrificial. We want to serve people. We want to love God more. We want to respond to people better. But we just don't. And we fall into the same patterns and habits. And so over the next seven weeks, we'll be looking at what is it that actually brings about real change? And the, the fundamental idea of all of these, uh, these series, uh, these next seven weeks, is that the, the fundamental means that God uses is shaping our hearts through different habits. That real change comes from the heart. And our hearts are changed through the habits that God has given to us to engage in. And so we'll be kind of looking at some of these different habits each week. And the first week, and we'll, be, we'll always be looking from Scripture, from a different place, sometimes from multiple places in Scripture. So this week in Colossians chapter 3, we start with the habit of worship. And so let me read from Colossians chapter 3 and see what this has to tell us about worship. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your, mind, set your mind on, minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We pray that you would speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. Would you speak through this word, show it what it means for us today. Sink this word deep into our hearts 
that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, this day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, last Sunday, uh, in the evening, there was a football game. A football game known as the Super Bowl. And in the Super Bowl, uh, there was what uh, some people may call, a, or who some people may call a supervillain, uh, named Tom Brady. But by the end of the game, I have to say that the supervillain Tom Brady, once one of the more hated people by most of the country, particularly those of us who were from Atlanta, uh, who experienced great heartbreak at his hands a few years ago, pretty much all gave up and acknowledged that, you know what, Tom Brady, villain though he may be, is pretty much the greatest quarterback of all time. Really without question, as he annihilated uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, won his seventh Super Bowl, which is just obscene uh, and ridiculous, going to a new team and taking them to the Super Bowl, shows up, here I am, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. And so then you look at Tom Brady and you say, well, what makes Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? Clearly, Tom Brady was given a great measure of God-given talent. He was created to be a football player. But at the same time, Tom Brady, if you, know, if you know much about football, Tom Brady was not very well known coming out of college. He was actually a, a, the sixth round pick in his draft. He was the underdog. But the thing that has always stood out about Tom Brady is he is a fanatic worker. And his habits are just incredible. And he works and he works and he works. And the way that he eats, the way that he trains, the way that he studies, all these things that he does to become an amazing football player. And he is, he's what, like 42 years old now? And so for 43 years old now? And for like 20 years, he has been demonstrating this single-minded focus to be the greatest football player of all time. And, and he's pretty much achieved it. So what does Tom Brady have to do with Colossians? What does Tom Brady have to do with worship? So here's the thing. It seems that, I think for many of us, when we hear the word worship, we tend to think of singing on Sunday mornings, which is totally legitimate. Singing on Sunday mornings is an important part of our worship. But what we see here in Colossians chapter 3 is a deeper view of what worship is. And that fundamentally what worship is, is a single-minded focus on God. So Tom Brady has focused his life on being a great football player. And other people focus their lives on other things and they devote everything to that. And what Colossians is calling us to is to a single-minded focus on God. And then a, a calling with that focus on God to develop the habits that keep our hearts focused on God at all times. This is what it means to worship God, is we must focus on Him. And we have to start here by understanding the why of that. Why is it that we focus on God? Where does the real power for this come from? And then we will see three specific habits, three specific ways that we can keep our hearts focused on God, three aspects of developing a habit of worship in our lives. But first, what's the basis of this? And it starts in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. 
the foundation of our worship, the foundation of our focus on God, the foundation of our life with God is that we have been raised with Christ. It is an action that God has done in our lives. He has raised us from the dead. Now, in this, Paul speaking, you might say that this is a little bit figurative. He has raised us from the dead of our sins, the dead of our human nature, to be raised with Christ, to have the opportunity for a new life. And it's the promise that one day this will be a literal raising from the dead. That as when one day we physically die, we will also be raised to eternal life with God. But even now, we have been raised. We have a new life that is within us. And it says that in verse, uh, verse 3, you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then uh, up in verse 10, uh, nope, not verse 10, uh, verse 11, Christ is all and in all. This is the foundation of all of it, that God has raised us in Christ. He has put Christ in us. God has given us the very life of Christ for ourselves. So when we look here at Colossians chapter 3, we can see a lot of, of things that we are supposed to do. Like, this is kind of like a laundry list of things to not do and to do. You know, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, don't lie to one another. Like there's a lot of things not to do there. And there's a lot of things to do. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. So in this list of things not to do and things to do, it's really important to realize that the center of this is what God has done in our lives. This is not just a, a list of things, okay, try to do this, try not to do this, because what would happen... If you just walked out onto the football field in the Super Bowl and said, well, I really want to be a great quarterback. I'm just going to do what Tom Brady does. You can't, you can't just walk out onto the field and do what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady does the things that he does because he has developed those habits over time. It's not just things he knows he's supposed to do. It's just who he is. He is a quarterback, and he does these things naturally and better than anybody else. And yet, in our Christian lives, in our relationships with other people, we, we get this idea that if I can just, uh, you know, buckle down and do better, I can, I can do the right thing. I can not react in anger this time. I can stop gossiping just if I just want to enough. And in fact, I didn't read it, but in chapter 2 here, uh, right before the, these words that I read in Colossians, Paul has just been explaining how the rules and the legalism cannot fix you. They cannot get it right. The key has to be that God has given us Christ's life in us. And so we worship him. And so that worship is a focus on God in all of our lives. It's something we do on Sundays together corporately, but it's also a focus we maintain throughout the week. And we have to develop habits to shape our hearts so that we become the people who do these things naturally. So that we become the people that Christ made us to be. Like it said in verse 10, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We are made in God's image, but we have to grow into being that. We see the example of it in Jesus and we want to be like him, but he's more than an example. His life has been given to us that we can live his life out 
in our interactions with other people. So how do we do that? So that's the main idea. Worship is not just singing, but worship is a focus on God in all of our lives. And it's based on the fact that God has saved us. He has rescued us. He has raised us from the dead and given us new life in Christ and puts Christ's life in us. Three ways we can embrace this more and more in our lives. The first is that we have to know. We have to know Christ in us. The second is to feel. We have to feel Christ in us. And the third is that we have to choose. We have to choose Christ in us. To know, to feel, and to choose. With our head, with our heart, with our hands. Three ways that, that, that change actually happens. So first, we have to know Christ in us. I already read verse 10 about the image of our Creator. But did you see what it said? Renewed in knowledge. The knowledge matters. Down in verse uh, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Even the fact that Paul is writing this letter, he is explaining to them, you have to know that your life is hid with Christ. You have to know that God has raised you with Christ. There are things that we have to know. The knowledge matters. If we want to be focused on God, if we want our hearts to change, if we want our interactions with other people to change, we have to know the truth. We have to know the truth about God, the truth about ourselves, the truth about the world. And so if, we're taught, we, if we want to know these things, we have to make a habit of seeking truth. And we have to reflect on what is it that we need to know. And so my question for you this morning to reflect on is, what is it that you need to know about God? What are your questions that you don't understand? And how are you going to learn those things? What are you going to do to increase your knowledge of God? Of course, the Bible is a good place to start, but, uh, but the Bible's a big book, right? And so how are you going to dig into that more? This daily prayer project is a good way to do it. It has effectively a Bible reading plan, has scriptures for you to read each day that can simply increase your knowledge of God. Our neighborhood Bible studies on Monday night and Wednesday night are places that we come together and we read God's word together. We increase our knowledge of God. I would love, if, if you have specific questions, specific things, I would love to talk more, to spend time talking with you, helping you to understand anything that you've wondered about God. A couple weeks ago, I sent out uh, an email with questions for God. If you had the chance to ask God a question, what would it be? That, that email's still there. That form's still open. You can put those questions in anytime. Um, I would love to talk with you more about them. They might show up uh, in, in sermons or other places in our Bible studies. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them more. But to think about what is it that you need to know about God and about yourself if you want to see your heart changed, your life changed. So the first is to know. But the second is that we must feel Christ in us. See, change doesn't just happen through what we know. We saw this a couple weeks ago in Daniel. Uh, in Daniel chapter 12, it said, uh, people will run to and fro and knowledge will increase. But they will be running to and fro. They have lots of knowledge. We have more knowledge now than at any time throughout human history. 
more, more words are created each day than anybody could possibly hope to read in a lifetime. You go onto the internet and you can find words and words and words and words. And of course, it's, you know, it's the internet. Some of it's not good, but much of it is good. There's lots of good knowledge out there. But with all this knowledge, it doesn't always make a difference. You can know all these things, but still things don't change. And why don't they change? Because we don't feel them. So much of what we do is not actually based on what we know, but on what we feel. We make decisions. You know, people, people may talk about, oh, I'm a rational decision maker or an emotional decision maker. And there may be some truth to that. But at core, most of us ultimately make our decisions not necessarily emotional in the sense of like in the heat of the moment, snap decisions, but it's based on what we really want, what is sunk deep into our hearts. And what God is calling us to here in Colossians is to change our hearts and our feelings. And we see that here. Um, it, it says, you know, put on Christ. Put off these things. We're changing how we feel about them. Put to death these things. And then uh, in verse 16, I already mentioned, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 14, before that, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. These are um, ver words of feeling, of emotion, love, peace, and, and singing. I said most times when we think about worship, we think of singing. And that's not all of worship, but it's not none of worship either. Why is singing so important? Singing is so important, and singing is commanded here in Colossians because singing has such a, songs have such a powerful hold on our hearts. The songs that we sing shape the way that we feel. They may not, we may not, you know, sometimes here we sing songs that have some complicated words in them and some complicated ideas. And we may not be learning from those songs or even understand fully exactly what we're singing. You know, the words go by and we sing them kind of fast. But they shape our hearts. They shape the way that we feel. And so God calls us as part of our, our worship, our focus on Him, is to focus our hearts through the way that we feel Christ in us. So we have to pay attention to what is shaping our hearts. What are the feelings that we are putting in? What are the songs that we are singing? What are the shows that we are watching? What are the books that we are reading? Not just for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of feelings. Who are the people that we are surrounding ourselves with? Where are we spending our time? What, is, what are Facebook and Instagram doing for us? Where are they turning our hearts to feel? Are they turning our hearts towards love for others, compassion for others, justice in the world? Absolutely, all of these things I mentioned can do those things. Even things that are, even, even shows and books that are not necessarily Christian can still be shaping our hearts in good and positive ways. And yet, they can also be shaping us in negative ways. 
our, our shows and our social media can be shaping us towards discontent and jealousy and idolatry of things and a desire for more and more stuff. And God calls us to shape our hearts and our feelings towards Him. So it starts with God's work. It starts with God's work in Christ. And then it, it, this, this plays out through habits of knowledge, of learning about God, learning about ourselves, the truth that we find in the Bible and in other places. And then shaping our hearts, our feelings, through our songs that we sing, through the things that we do, the ways that we spend our time. And then, once we're on that foundation, once we have the knowledge, once we have the feelings, then we can choose. I said so often we look at these things, we just want to walk on the field and be Tom Brady by choosing the right things. Or we look at this list of things to do and to not do, and we just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be better. And yes, that's not right, doesn't work on its own. And at the same time, there's a clear call to do things. Like it says here, the command to put off the things of the sinful nature and put on the nature of Christ. It is a command to do, an act of will, a choice that we're being called to make. We have to choose Christ in us. We have to choose to live the life that he has been given. And this is really the meat of where we get these habits, these choices that are made. We are formed so powerfully by our habits, by the choices we make, not just in the moment of choosing to do what is good, but how that shapes our character throughout a lifetime. And since it's, you know, since it's Valentine's Day, I, do, I have to talk about my wife because it's Valentine's Day. I have to talk about something that I love about my wife. And one of the things I love about my wife is her commitment to do what is right. And in particular, one of those areas is her commitment to Sunday worship, to gathering with God's people on Sundays. And I have a funny story about this. This is actually from before we were married. Uh, Suzanne and I met as camp counselors, uh, working at Summer's Best Two Weeks, the camp that we now run here in Virginia Beach. But uh, we met as camp counselors and as college students, and uh, there were about eight of us who would work as the counselors, and we would work this camp at different churches throughout the summer. And so because we were working hard all summer, working with kids, the directors, uh, one weekend during the summer, they, they gave us the gift of they sent us away for a weekend just to hang out together at this cabin out in, I don't remember where it was, I think it was in the Shenandoah Valley uh, from, from Northern Virginia. And so we're out at this cabin for the weekend. And, you know, so eight college students and some chaperones uh, who are a little bit older. And we were discussing on Saturday, well, you know, should we, should, what are we going to do tomorrow? Tomorrow's Sunday. And my lovely now wife, Suzanne, said, I really think we should go to church. Which is kind of funny when you put eight college students out on a weekend retreat, you know, are they actually going to go to church or not? Probably not in most cases, even if they are committed Christian camp counselors uh, as we were. But she said, no, we should go to church, to worship at a church. And I admire that. I admired it then. I admire it now. I, in fact, as an adult, I don't think that Suzanne has missed church probably more than a dozen times in her adult life. Um, we could argue over that perhaps. But the real question for us is how did she get to be that way? Now, of course, some of that is a matter of her choices. Some of that is a matter of God's work in her heart and life and giving her the conviction for that. But a lot of that is that when she was growing up, her parents took her to church every single Sunday. 
It was just something they did. Now, don't misunderstand. The family that Suzanne grew up in was not some kind of like super Christian family that talked about God all the time. They were just an ordinary family. They had their problems. They had their challenges. But they made a habit of going to church. It was important. It was something that they did. And that habit has shaped Suzanne as a child and throughout the rest of her life. And so the choices we make are not just the choices in the moment. The choices are habits that will shape our character that will then control what we do throughout the rest of our lives. And so this is true for ourselves. This is true for our families. The choices we make for our children will shape and form them, which is both terrifying and encouraging. It is something that God uses. He has given us the ability to choose, to choose what is right. So the question for each of us is what are the choices we are going to make to worship God? And the good news is these choices are not that, they're not that complicated. Truthfully, God has told us in his word what choices lead to worship him. And we've seen the choices that, the, that his people, the church, have made throughout history. And so we can just follow in their path. The choices of gathering on Sunday for Sunday worship. The means of the Lord's Supper, of taking of the bread and the cup. The means of singing and praying together. The choices of joining with his people for Bible studies and for times of prayer. The choices to take times of individual prayer, like with this daily prayer project. This is all based on long historic practices of the church. Prayer in the morning, prayer in the evening. These are not complicated things or things we really have to figure out. It's simply something that we ask God, what is it that you want me to focus on first? What is the new choice, the new commitment that I need to make to make a habit of worship in my life, to keep my eyes focused on you? Sundays are a great place to start. And then that continues throughout the week with daily worship of him in whatever way you can so that we sh our hearts are shaped first and foremost by God's power and him working through the means that he has given us that we might know him and know the power of Christ in us, that we might feel the power of Christ in us and that we might choose the power of Christ in us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again from the dead and gave us his life to be our own. We pray that you would help us to understand that more and more, that we might worship you Sundays and through the week as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.